0: everybody. If this is your first time here, or even if you've been here before, welcome to Thrive Church. I'm so glad that you're choosing to spend your Sunday morning with us. You're here, I'm here, Jesus is here, so we can get this rolling. Uh, We're coming back to the New Testament book of James after leaving it for a few weeks. And uh, if you'll remember, this is a highly practical book, and we're... Um, studying it because it helps us to understand faith in real life and in real time. And um, glad that we get a chance to do this. We ended in um, James chapter 3, and we were talking about taming the tongue. Remember that? And if you're going to tame the tongue, then you have to um, deal with the issues of the heart, which is typically emotions. And as we started talking about emotions, we realized that just by virtue of the pandemic and all of the craziness that seems to be going on around the country and even around the world, probably needed to deal with some of the emotional stuff that we're all dealing with currently. But now we're, we're back to uh, James chapter three after this little interlude that we've had. And um, we're at the end of the book and the author actually re- returns to a topic that he introduced back in chapter one and that's simply the idea of wisdom and so what i'd like to do is go back into the text and look at this kind of verse by verse because there's some very interesting things very helpful things that james um, lays out for us as it relates to wisdom and and very specifically godly wisdom so if you have a bible or if you have a bible app you want to uh, might want to punch in James chapter 3, that's where we're going to be, and I'm going to start reading in verse 13. And Of course, uh, as always, I'll have the uh, text up on the screen for you to read there as well. Entirely up to you. So here we go, James chapter 3, beginning with verse 13. He writes to his audience, Who is wise in understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. It's a bit of a rhetorical question to a certain degree. Who is wise and understanding among you? Well, you know, the evidence here is that, that you, you want to show it, show the evidence by your good life and by the, by the deeds that you do. But I want you to notice something, um, the connection that he makes. Uh, he says the humility that comes from wisdom, and, and we do see this throughout um, the entire Bible, and both in some of the uh, Old Testament, but certainly the New Testament passages, that humility and wisdom are linked together. And um, in, in fact, I think we can you know, quite safely say that humility is a telltale sign of wisdom. If you're looking for wisdom, look for some humility as well. And, and frankly, it's wise to be humble. I mean, think about it for a moment. You don't know everything. I don't know everything. And, and if you don't know everything, just be honest about that. And I think that wisdom uh, says that you can be taught that there are uh, new pieces of information that you don't know. So every person that you meet, you don't know their entire story. So wisdom would be to show some grace and in also to have some humility when you're talking with them. I'm not talking about, um, you know, any false humility or or um, kind of this strange um, self-deprecating uh, humbleness. It's not what we're talking about but just the humility of understanding, understanding about yourself that you don't know everything. And to approach every person and every set of circumstances that you come uh, in contact with on a day-to-day basis with some humility. And to keep that in your, in your mind. Now, uh, I'm going to make a, a potentially uh, dangerous comment here. And, and I want you to hear me. Um, When I say this, because I I think it's very appropriate for the times that we're living in. A leader who does not demonstrate humility is not wise and is not worth following. Let me say it again, because I think it's important. A leader who does not demonstrate humility is not wise and is not worth following. Keep that in mind um, as you consider things like a new job. Consider that that idea when you're um, talking with someone in authority. And yes, I'm going to say it out loud, consider that when you go to the polls um, in November. I think it's an important thing for you to think about Biblical wisdom. Now, James has made this connection between humility and wisdom, and he begins to issue a bit of a warning, more or less. And he picks he picks up in verse 14 with this. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Uh, this is this is fascinating because he just talked about humility and wisdom, and now he turns his uh, attention to you know the Christian, these are two believers, now they happen to be Jewish believers, but, but he's turning his attention to Christian people, and he says, "If you have things like envy and selfishness in your heart, don't boast about it and don't deny it." Don't boast about it or, or deny it. And really the call here is to deal with the truth and to have some self-reflection. Because sometimes we just go about life and we're, we're trying to get things done and we're trying to accomplish certain tasks and we're trying to get the kids to school on time and we're trying to keep people happy and in and, and life just gets... A, and, and, what we don't realize is that there may be something in our hearts remember we were just talking about these emotions but there's some things in our in our hearts that are not necessarily godly and and some of it is is this idea of selfish ambition and bitter envy and what he says is don't boast about those things and and I've heard it and you have too there are some people who have a great deal of <laughs> selfish ambition and they boast it you know i'm after Everything in life, and and I I have no problem if you're pursuing things. But understand what's in your heart first. and Don't boast and don't deny it. Deal with the truth. Deal with what's going on in your heart first. We'll get back to that in a little bit. So James continues in verse 15. Such wisdom, and he puts it in quotes, at least we do uh, in our translation, Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual. And then James goes a little bit further and he says demonic. That kind of wisdom, um, that boastful, selfish, envious type of wisdom is not from heaven. It's from another place entirely. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Um, so, he, he picks up on this idea of, of envy and selfishness. And you can see it here. And he connects it to disorder and, <laughs> of course, every evil practice. But recently, I, I listened to a psychiatrist m- make a, um, a statement Uh, He was giving a talk, and and one of the things he said was that the two most destructive attitudes he came across in in his practice were, get this, arrogance, which is really selfishness, and um, resentment, which is just envy amped up the two most destructive attitudes that he has come across in his clinical practice were arrogance and resentment. And of course, he goes on and he, you know, he describes all of that. And I just find it really interesting that in 2,000 years of history, human beings have not changed that much. Because really, when we're talking in the, in the text here, when we're, we're seeing this, when we're reading this on the screen, and he's talking about selfishness, and he's talking about envy, We still see it today and it's destructive. And that's exactly what James is trying to point out to us. And notice, too, that um, when you when you have wisdom that's absent, you find other problems as well. And so, you know, really, if you're seeing disorder somewhere, um, please understand there's no wisdom and that's not from god if you're seeing evil practices if you're seeing even disorder huh, that's not wise there's no wisdom present there and that's not from god it's a diagnostic tool frankly if you begin to see some of these other things then 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 you need to have uh, some Red flags, at least some yellow cautionary flags, go up in your mind. And so, kind of the question that that I think we all probably ought to ask, to a certain extent, is: Where do you see disorder? Where do you see it? And understand that if you see it in your own home, or if you see it in your workplace, or if you see it on a national or an international scale, if you're seeing that kind of disorder, that is an absence of wisdom. And that may be a great place for you to start praying about, too. Oh, God, let us have some wisdom about wherever it is that you see it. Disorder is evidence that wisdom is absent. Keep that in mind. Now, fortunately for us, uh, James actually outlines what real wisdom looks like. And he, he goes into that. So it's not just this diagnostic tool of disorder and evil practices, but he gives us a positive example, something to actually shoot for, something to help us as we try to be wise Christians ourselves. And so here we pick it up in verse 17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And I'm so glad for this. I'm glad that we have the characteristics or the traits that demonstrate wisdom, uh, at least the wisdom that comes from heaven. And and so we have this list here, and, and these are worth thinking about. These are, I mean, these are worth pondering. These are things that you ought to spend some time thinking about and applying them to your own life or your set of circumstances. Um, and even if it's not a diagnostic, it's a great check for ourselves. So let me give an example. Perhaps you're talking with a friend or a spouse or a child and you're giving some advice. And as as you're going, uh, um, going about that conversation, ask yourself, is this pure? Is it peace-loving? is it sincere those are the types of questions before you give the advice just put a check on yourself because are you giving wise advice or are you just giving advice there's a difference between those and and so what i want to do is i want to highlight a couple of these i want to try to uh, flush these out a little bit more some make more sense than others to us Um, and first and foremost he says and, and you can see it here on the screen is that it's pure and and the word that's used here you need to think holy it it's god honoring and and doesn't that make sense that if the wisdom comes from god would it not reflect god and god is holy so the wisdom that we give if it's truly heaven sent ought to be holy as well and and so if if something feels off if you're getting a piece of advice and you're wondering about the wisdom of it if it just feels off Or um, if there's some type of undesirable, you know, side effect um, to that piece of of counsel, be careful. Be careful about that. Is it pure? Is it a holy thing? Because wisdom from God will reflect the character of God. So is it pure? Um, The other word that's worth picking up here is considerate. This is kind of strange. Wisdom from heaven is considerate, and I suppose it makes a certain amount of, of sense, because godly wisdom wisdom ought to take, um, ought to take into account other people. Remember, God God is very clear uh, that our job is to love God and to love others, and so the wisdom uh, that that we might present to someone else should take others into an account the Greek term here also is, is rather instructive uh, I'm not sure why the translators chose the word considerate but it carries with um, it the idea of being fair and equitable that's just sound judgment there that's true wisdom if something is is fair if it's equitable so First, it needs to be pure, but it also needs to be considerate. And then also, there's a strange word here, submissive. Now i got to be honest, I had hard time with this one. I, I could not understand um, why godly wisdom would be submissive. Um, I guess it makes a certain amount of sense to be submissive to God. But I had to do a little bit of, of digging, and, and the term that's used here in my mind is better translated as reasonable is it reasonable godly wisdom is open to god teaching and it underscores humility if you think about it godly wisdom is reasonable and and part of this idea being submissive is that um, I'm holding things loosely because I don't know everything and God might be teaching me something. I think this is an important thing for, for us to take. Now, that doesn't mean that we're abandoning truth or anything like that, but there are things in the text that I know now that I didn't know 20 years ago. Sometimes because of study or um, because I, I read it differently. I read the text differently at my age, than I did even five, ten years ago. My life experience has changed. God is teaching me new things. I'm in relationship with Him. And so I can learn something new. And so I need to be submissive to God, but ultimately I have to be reasonable. And perhaps you've met a person like this who has some type of belief that they just hold on to with such rigidity. That it doesn't matter what type of evidence you present to them they're they're just naturally going to dismiss everything that's not necessarily godly it, you have to to be open and humble enough to understand that god might be teaching you now there are some things that to me are non-negotiable about christianity one is the resurrection if we can't agree on the resurrection i'm not sure we have a whole lot to talk about when it comes to christianity trinity is another one and there's probably a couple of more but at least those two in my mind are the non-negotiables of the faith but everything else most everything else are places where i I can be taught new things the bible is written uh, by particular authors to different people groups with different agendas. Yes, it's all God-inspired. Of course, that's true. But how I interpret it, I'm looking at it through my own lens. And so there's a literary context and there's a historical context to those books. And as I learn new things, I get new understanding into the text and I may learn something new. That's godly, that's wise to be open to what God might be teaching you. So, submissive, of course, to God and what he's trying to teach you. And then finally, um, there's this word sincere uh, at the end. Um, literally, uh, the, the term is without hypocrisy. Uh, it's got a little um, uh, prefix that makes it negative, without hypocrisy. Which means we're not, doing, or we're not saying one thing and doing another. Uh, and if you see that, that's not godly wisdom. Godly wisdom is, is not hypocritical, um, which requires a certain amount of self-reflection. You've got to dig a little bit deeper and, and understand what's in your heart as well when you're giving out godly, godly wisdom. So keep those, those things in mind as you're, as you're talking with people. You know, <clears throat> I had a recent conversation with uh, another pastor. Uh, in fact, it was just this last week. And in the course of the conversation, we were talking about the pandemic and we were talking about churches and reopening and, and um, um, some of the things that we're seeing on a national level, all the things that typically make us depressed, angry, and of course, anxious, uh, which is what we've been talking about. But in, in the course of that discussion, what became very clear to the two of us is that our culture, just in general, American culture, maybe more, I can't speak to any other nation, but just what I'm observing is that our culture seems to have abandoned the idea of wisdom. We have just kind of left it alone. I don't hear anybody talking about wisdom, not on a national scale, not on a um, historic scale. I, I just don't hear it. I don't hear the term. I don't hear the idea being talked about. It's like we've, we've, we've just kind of left it Instead, it seems like we value knowledge and experience more than we do wisdom. Although I think that's changing as well. Some of the most knowledgeable people are speaking out about certain things and we're not paying close attention or we're trying to debunk it or we're trying to disregard it or we're trying to discredit it. What? Well, I think we do tend to value knowledge and experience more than wisdom, even that seems to be changing. And so we value instead things like drive um, or results at any cost. I mean, have you noticed that? I mean, we've abandoned the idea of wisdom And we try to find people who will achieve certain results at any cost without any real thought to the wisdom of those results. Maybe you see this in places uh, too, maybe you don't, but I challenge you to look at the criteria that James lays out for us pretty clearly here in this end of this third chapter and apply it to the things that you're seeing and ask yourself is this wise and and the words that you're saying is it wise or are you just trying to achieve certain results just following an agenda because i think what's happened here and this is what i find so disturbing is that when we lose wisdom when we abandon the concept of wisdom of having sound judgment of having kind of this godly sense to it, when, when we leave all of that behind, we also lose, at the same time, thoughtfulness. We're not worried about unintended consequences of things. So we lose thoughtfulness. We lose the idea of sound judgment. And we lose the, the idea of morality at the same time. And all of those things seem to be undermined in our culture today. And I think in part, it's because we've lost this notion of wisdom. And, and James is pretty clear about it, I think. So, so today, I, I just want to encourage you, <laughs> want to implore you, want to exhort you to return to wisdom, return to what's wise. And just a couple of ideas. First of all, pursue wisdom. The, the wise writer of Proverbs, um, very likely King Solomon, uh, collected uh, a number of these sayings. But in his book, in the, in the fourth chapter, we read this. This is a piece of advice. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will, she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Pretty obvious, right? Though it costs uh, though it cost all you have, get understanding. And so the, the, the encouragement here, the, the challenge here is to, is to pursue it. Try to figure out what is really wise at least you know heavenly wisdom and pursue that and see where it leads you secondly is to ask god for wisdom and you'll remember this um, from chapter one it's one probably one of my favorite verses if any of you lacks wisdom you should ask god who gives generously to all without finding fault And it will be given to you look if you're pursuing wisdom ask the the giver of wisdom the one who is all wise ask him for it he'll give it to you generously and without finding fault in other words god's not up there going oh you should know better that's not what this is all about he's like no no i am the source of wisdom i want to give that to you because he wants his his kids to be wise because he knows that they'll make wise decisions and choices. It will watch over them. It will protect them. It will keep them on the right path, largely because it keeps us in a relationship with God. Keep that in mind. If you're lacking wisdom, if you don't know what to do in a set of circumstances, ask God, and it's as simple as this, God, please give me wisdom. It's not complicated. You simply ask God for that wisdom. And then finally, um, ask yourself this this question what is the wise choice when you're faced with a decision and you have to have to choose then ask what is the wise choice here because sometimes the decision that you want to make is not necessarily the wise decision I kind of thinking about this um, not too long ago but There's this advice, follow the heart. Well, the writer of Proverbs at one point says the heart's pretty fickle. (laughs) And just because you want it doesn't mean it's necessarily a a good choice. So what is the wise choice? Here's what the writer of Proverbs uh, said. My son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Um, Preserve sound judgment and discretion. They will be life for you. Then you will go on your way in safety. Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked, for the Lord will be at your side. God is with you. And so when you make the wise choice, you can trust that God will be next to you. And if you're asking him for it and he's giving it to you generously, then you can have confidence then you can have protection. You can have a certain amount of security security. in the the decision that you're making. Yeah, I often pray that um, God would be a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day, um, metaphorically. Um, Why? Because if I know that I'm following God, I know that I'm making the wise choice. And if I'm making the wise choice, then I can take each step with confidence. So I encourage you to ask yourself the question, what's the wise choice? What's the wise thing for me to do here? Look, however you choose to spend your time with God this week, and I, I hope that you are. I hope that you are trying to carve out some time to talk with God. Um, talk to him about wisdom. And you Use that word. Um, ask him to remove the selfish ambition and the envy you might be harving, har, um, harboring that, that might be hidden in your heart and you don't even realize it that it's there. Deal with that. Don't boast that you've got that. Don't deny it. Just deal with it. Ask God to help you and to make that wise choice. And and look, it doesn't have to be um, complicated. Sometimes, just to to kind of get into the habit, as soon as your alarm goes off and you roll out of bed and your he- feet hit the floor, check in with God at that point and just say, oh God, I need your wisdom for today. Tell them what it, what it is. I need your wisdom with the kids. I need your wisdom with the rest of my family, with my job, whatever it happens to be. You've, you've got your list. I've got mine. But just to start your day, um, I just pray that you would, you would simply talk with God about wisdom. He's there. He gives generously. Because if you remember, you have to get real in order to get right with God. So be real with him. Deal with the things in your heart. And if you don't know what those are, ask him to reveal it. Help him to re- ask him to help you remove it so that you can make wise choices. Let's pray. God, you are all wise and we are thankful that you are we need your wisdom especially in the world that we live in where everything seems to be going in so many different directions and and the country and lives and relationships are being split apart at at just a, a frightening rate Lord we need your wisdom and so I pray Lord first and foremost that you would help us to look into our own hearts that you would point out gently like you do those places of selfishness and resentment that we might have, the arrogance that we might carry. God, remove those things so that we might be wise, that we might be a voice of wisdom in a world that desperately needs it. Thank you, Lord, um, that these are prayers that you want to answer. James makes that clear to us. You give generously when when your kids ask for wisdom, so please um, help us to do that. I um, just pray for the leaders of Thrive Church that we would be wise, for everyone who calls Thrive Church home, that they would they would be wise in uh, their dealings with um, each other, with their families, and with the people they have contact with uh, with day in and day out. Thank you that we can trust you, Lord. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.